mic, camera, action. I'm so sorry. Can you help me? My tire. Sorry, I have an appointment. I don't like to be late. Well, would you rather be late or dead? You don't want to do this. Step out of the car. Brand new. No problem, buddy. I got this. Baby, let's ride. Stay baby. Parents know the kind of company you're keeping. Shut up. Dog. Shut up, man. What's my plan? This shit ain't working, man. It's coded. What's the code, man? I'm afraid I can't give you that. Well, I'm afraid we'll have to beat out you. Let's get out of this car. Get out of the car, nigga. Come on, man. What you got for me, player? Hold on. Just came out of the dry cleaners. Welcome back to the Filmography, the show dedicated to watching every credited film for an actor's complete back catalogue from past debut through to present day in chronological order. Each episode, I'm joined by an esteemed guest to watch and discuss the next entry from the Focus Filmography and consider how it ranks them as their career and whether we can trace any typecasting trends or topic traits or theatrical ticks. For episode 11, I'm joined once again by Spider-Dam to discuss the 11th big screen appearance of the state and his first franchise sequel. Transporter 2. We watch, you listen, and hopefully watch along too. So, thank you very much, Dan, for transporting yourself back into the guest chair to discuss the safe's first, but certainly not final, foray into franchise territory. Mm, While I've got my melon fists at the ready (laughs) uh, to knock out any any, uh, bad critical analysis you might give. That's definitely a thing to talk about. Because I've read that as well. Are you sure? I'm not convinced they're melons. Are they cantaloupes? Let's go. Sh- let's go. Let's go straight. Let's go straight. Straight into the- melon fist. Come on, melon, melon hands. This, you know the, the the last final third of the film, I think. But um, <laughs> were they? Were they? I don't know. They just seemed a bit hard. I thought maybe they were the outside of a coconut. You know, like I, I, I'm. I'm pretty sure they were green. They looked like they were green to but me. They, but that is, isn't it? You know, like you've got like the. Do you know you've got like? Oh the, yeah! Oh yeah! 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 The, yeah, the green outside green. the brown. You've got to take that bit off first, haven't you? Before you even get right. to the nut, then you've got to open the nut. I mean, it's a bloody pain in the yeah, ass having a coconut, isn't it? I don't know. I just thought I'd rather die than have a coconut. I think. <laughs> Fair enough. When he's bashing the guy with it on his fist, it's hilarious, and it's meant to be oh, hilarious. Yeah. But yeah, everyone was singling out. I'm sure you've read some of the same reviews I have of like the watermelon fist, the watermelon fist. And I was just wondering, I'm not an expert here, but if I hit somebody with watermelons on my fist, I think it would explode. I mean, I, I, I guess. I mean, maybe they're super melons. Maybe they're mm. super melons on steroids, like uh, genetically well, modified super melons. I wonder if it was like Superman, isn't it? Isn't it like with Superman, like the reason his suit doesn't rip because his like power... His, his 
aura extends and protects his suit. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Aura made them protected him. Yeah, he passed his power into them, transferred (laughs) it over into them. Is is hard man status into them into the melon? Um, Yeah, you're no, you are right with Superman. It's it's basically a a false field, a personal Mm. false false field. That's like just skin like just a, on it just above the layer of skin sort of thing uh and that's why his cape always gets destroyed but the suits immaculate mm, mm. so uh yeah uh yeah i i mean i think the melons um please write in the comments if they're not melons um <laughs> melons versus pr- pr- coconuts that's where this show's yeah. going is it a coconut is it a melon is it mm. neither maybe it's something else i have oh, no idea but it it bloody looked like a melon to me. It looked like a pair, a pair of melons, and, wow. uh, and a, a quite literal pair of melons. But uh, well, I'm sure what was on your mind as you were watching. Clearly, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> melon, a melon on each hand. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> to be fair, I don't want to get crude here, but there's quite a lot of melons on show in this movie. Mm, I was, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna bring that up. There's, there's a, some. I'll say there's some mixed messages within this film. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. In regards to uh, in regards to respecting of women and uh, and those type of things, uh, but we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that. But uh, yes, um, so we're returning back to the world of the transporter, mm-hmm. and I'm so glad everyone's back in some form, in mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. in some respect. You've got uh, we've got Louis Leterrier, who's been promoted to the director into the director's yeah, chair on his own director, yeah. Full director Corey Yun is back as the fight choreographer, mm-hmm. and again Luke Besson writing and producing, I believe. Yeah. So yeah, you've got all the all the team back together. You've got a new setting, a new location, new characters, new story, um, but it's still quite familiar, and there's a lot of continuity there. I like that. Um, I can't remember the French cop's name again. It's what's it? To 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 e Tough, yeah, uh, yeah. Tough, I can uh, think of the actor's name. The actor's name is Berland. It's not a Berland, Ber- Ber- but yeah, um, Berland. We'll go with that. Berland. Um, uh, Tar- Tar- love... Tar- Tarcody. That's the ins- that's the Tarcody. That yeah. was it. Yeah, I was thinking it definitely began with a T. But um, I love the fact that when he gets into Stath's house, mm-hmm. he's making the uh, he's making the Madelines again. He is, yeah. And I didn't notice that from I think when I used to watch it or way back when I last watched it, I didn't notice that because again, I just it's just like a tiny detail. Mm. Um, but I really appreciated that. It was quite nice. Because when the FBI and, turn up, he opens the door, doesn't he? He's like, I'm the cook. Yeah, that as well. Yeah, this is that's a line from the first film. Mm. And uh and I like he kind of almost becomes like um obviously you're a big Indiana Jones fan. You know, like Marcus Brody. Mm. So in the first in the first film, he's quite a serious guy. He's quite mm. a you know he's like oh and Indy and the, you know and the, the the Ark of the Covenant is all very serious. And then you get to the third film, and he's an absolute clown. Yeah, it's a great uh, reference. I hadn't thought of that. And and in this one, I feel like they are slide. And again, we talked about it again. The influence on the first film with Indiana Jones, Bond, and everything. Mm. And I definitely I definitely see him going that way where he's teaching them how to cook and stuff and the like. You're in his house. How can you not know what's going on about this virus thing happening? And he's, you know, black ops and what have you. And uh yeah, I, I just I, I kind of appreciated that kind of slide into kind mm. of the, the clowniness of it and the ridiculous. And and I don't know how got, how he got so good at computers because yeah. there's one there's one scene <laughs> later on. There is one scene later on where where Statham goes or Frank goes. 
uh, I've got nothing. I've got no clues. I've got nothing. I can't. I, I don't even know what to do or where to go. And he's like, ah, let me do it. <laughs> and he literally go, goes on the computer for two seconds and finds out all the information about the head bad guy. Yeah. Name, incredible. address, like history. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He's incredible. The technology stuff in this is hilarious because at one point you've got the state, I think, using an iPod. He like downloads mm. data onto his iPod, which he then plugs into a car charger, which then sends information to Tarconi in the police station, <laughs> who download gets it on his like Nokia phone or whatever. It's madness the technology in this, but L- ludicrous. Of all but the it, things it does, to complain it about, it's kind of being fit. ludicrous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's not worry about that too much. <laughs> Um, I did quite enjoy all the little the the different mobile phones he had as well. The little because mm. it was it was a very of the time, wasn't it? There was like those Matrix, yeah, the slide phone, yeah, slide phones. Everyone wanted one of those, didn't they? Because it was mm. so cool at the time. Um, really showing our age now, I think. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, it pops open. That's what we want. Popping open. That was the height of technology back then. Remember the height. Hey, I'm old enough that you know, snake on your phone was the height of technology. Mm. Very popular, very popular. Um, what do you? What did you think of the kind of the like we were talking about the ludic, ludicrousity, mm. ludicrousity? I don't know my English, um, but like it just kind of goes a bit mad in this one. And like, is do we do we lose something from? Um, do you think the the kind of more slightly more grounded nature of the previous one? Yeah, that was the thing I was most looking forward to before we watched this. So you and I as we spoke just before we started recording and as we spoke at the end of that recording, we were kind of talking mm. this up. And I know me particularly, I was saying like, I can't wait to watch this. It's one I've been most looking forward to watching from his back catalog. I used to love it back in the day. And it was because of this elevated sense of like ludicrousness that it just doesn't give a fuck. It's just, mm. let's just go for it all, all out. Let's go for it. Let's have flipping cars and jet skis on roads and all kinds of madness. Absolutely. I'm not sure if I'm honest. I think hmm. when I finished watching it a couple of nights ago, I was like, oh, I really enjoyed that. But hmm. but but since then, my mind's kept going back to it and going back to it and like, oh, that bit's fucking cool, isn't it? Oh, that bit's silly, but I like it. Yes. So it's kind of grown back again in my estimations over the days since I finished watching it. I felt a little deflated, if I'm honest. Not, not hmm. in a bad way. If no. you consider... The first transport would be nine out of ten, which I would. I consider this to be eight out of ten. Like this, it's pretty on a par. Hmm. But I think the ludicrousness is good. I think it's actually the dryness of the story around it that is not as good. What? What? what, what how did you feel about the ten? Um, I think it kind of. I feel like it's almost a prototype for Crank. Mm. Yeah. 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 Because obviously Crank is is balls to the wall, frenetic, crazy. You don't stop for a minute. It's mm. just like everything is going on. Bah, 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 bah. Bah, you know, like shocking himself or, mm. you know, injecting himself, getting the adrenaline up or whatever he does in whichever film. But with this, it was kind of like they were going for that, but they didn't quite have... It, it, I mean, they, they introduce a kind of ticking clock in it, mm-hmm. but then it's kind of a bit like... It's it's like the reverse of a ticking clock because they're like oh within twenty four hours mm. they'll that nobody else will get infected but these people are infected these small group of people mm-hmm. who 
again, and not Matthew Modine. Um, oh man, one of one of the uh, original jokers in, uh, in in cinema history. Jeff uh, is a complete arsehole. Matthew Modine is Jeff. There's I mean, nothing to, like to, about him at all. To quote to quote Rhea's favorite word, he's a cunt. He absolutely is, isn't he? he it's is really painful cunt. watching him in it. He goes for it. He's great at playing mm. it, but yeah, he's so unlikable. And then at the end, spoilers if you've not seen the yeah. transport <laughs> too. But at the end, they're like, "Oh, we've made up now. We're fine. Yeah, just we're, no we're a happy family again." And just I'm like, you no, you're not. And like, and like Frank, I think you know. I get, I get what he's doing. He's obviously sacrificing his personal happiness mm. to because he wants the kid to be happy, and the mum to be happy, and the, be the perfect nuclear family. But I actually think he probably, he probably would give them a good life. The kid and the mum um, agreed. Uh, and you know, he don't, he only drives. That's all he does. He only drives. I mean, I, I mean, in every film, he doesn't only drive, but he does drive very well. <laughs> um, not like maybe I, I imagine his week, his normal weekday, is probably just a lot of driving. Sure, um, but, but yeah, I, just I on the weekends, he strips down and kicks ass. And, yeah, yeah, like I remember, I remember recognizing him and going, "Oh, it's Matthew Medine." And then, mm. and then Keith David, who I think is one of my favorite actors of all time, yeah, is in a very minor role in this. And and again, he's giving it his all, but it's kind of it's almost like those two roles are a bit thankless, mm. although for actors of that quality and that and that mm. um, you know uh, that well known you know their famousness. Yeah, um, agreed. It was just a bit odd to see them there. I guess I guess it was probably just to sell it in America. I imagine. I can see that, yeah, like getting a couple of names. So therefore, they're not even are they on the poster? That's, I'm not even sure. No. If they are. But but they're like you say they're within the credits. It's enough to say that they're in the movie, isn't it? It's yeah, just absolutely. one is playing completely nameless, faceless FBI guy, and one is playing complete douchebag cuntness <laughs> senator, douchebag dad, deadbeat dad guy. Yeah, and and I will say this about the film as well the. The the plot again is very thin, but I think yes. it's even thinner than the previous one because Agreed. you don't actually find out what Matthew Modine does until like the third act. I don't mm. think like it, no. it, 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 they don't mention it. They don't like oh he's an important guy or he's a he's the drugs man or you know he's a this or that. You just know he's got a lot of money and a lot of security around him. You mm. know nothing nothing about him. And then it's like oh by the way. Oh, we're not after the sun, we're after the guy, and we're trying to get him through this virus. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just, yeah, it just didn't. I think if that was set up a bit more, or there was like, again, we see we see the the villain of the piece kind of you know working out and planning and plotting and against mm. all the different all the different you know the virus and this and that. Um, but we don't know anything about Matthew Modine or why he's coming about after Matthew Modine. And there's literally like there's literally a line in this where he goes, What is it you don't understand? What can you not work out? And he's like, uh, and Frank's like, I just don't know why you did it. I don't know. <laughs> and uh and he and he's like, I will explain it to you. Let me explain it to you, you stupid, stupid driver. And and then he just explains the thing and mm. it's like again right up until the last 10, 20 minutes of the film. And I'm like, 
you know, I don't mind a film that doesn't tell me everything and, and shows me a lot. And, you know, there's a there's a there's at least a breadcrumb like Crank just to mm-hmm, get mm-hmm. you through that story or a, or like Hardcore Henry or something like that. If there was just there was a bit more of that than I would. But it seems that they focus a bit more on the relationship, which is not bad. And I think it is a good thing. But I needed just a little bit more like what the fuck is going on in this world mm. and why is it so important? Um but I think all the all the personal stuff is set up and performed really well. But it's yeah, it's just the the plot just didn't grab me as much as I remembered. Again, like you said, like like my friend watched it with me and he was like, "This is the most convoluted plan <laughs> of a villain I've ever seen." Like, go go and jab the kid. At, at, you know, he's got this virus. He's going to jab the kid. It's a designer virus that only works for twenty four hours. Whoever's near them, um, so it's whoever they know, breathe on, isn't it? Yeah, and he's like, and that—that's the thing. That's the thing that annoyed me as well. He was just like, breathe, breathe, <laughs> breathe. Yes, breathe. I was just like, okay, I, I get, it. I get what you're doing. Um, I did quite like the idea of him having the antivirus entirely in his body. Mm-hmm. I thought that was that was quite clever. And I think I also remember, like, again, this is the Mandela effect, I guess, because you're remembering things that aren't in the film. Mm. But like, they set him up. I th- they set him up at the beginning, like I said in the last film. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not really got he's not really got a level pegging villain. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not it's not an equal fight. It's just this dude, and uh, and then in this one they're showing him doing kendo and doing these mad leaps. And yeah, he's like surrounded by six guys, isn't he? Like beats them all up, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're thinking, right? He's a he's a match for Stafe. He can you know he could kick his ass, and you know he's at least going to get a pipe or a, a sword or something, and 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 you're going to have that kick-ass thing. And actually, you don't. You just get them thrown around in an airplane. Mm. And he doesn't really do all that much. No, agreed. And and Stath doesn't really do that much because he knows he's got to keep him alive. Mm. So it's kind of almost a little... like I say it's anticlimactic. It's got a fucking plane going down in the sea. but It is so, because the stakes are low, aren't they? Because we know the state yeah. is going to survive. We know France can survive. And we know he has to make this other guy survive, as you just said. I agree. Mm. The stakes are really low. Yeah. And and again, we know the kid's okay because he's already been cured. So yeah. And we don't care about the dad. We don't care about the dad. The mum the mom is, you know, the mum we care about, but mm-hmm. we care more about the kid. And yeah. he's fine. Yeah. So we know we know he's going to survive. Yeah. So the, yeah. There's stories all over the place, but you're right. I mean, essentially. It's there to hang some really cool stunts off, isn't it? But I think absolutely what they tried to do was, as you said, there's a couple of things I think this particularly references or apes or I'm going to say tries to outdo. There's that one particular action scene where the state, I think it's after the, um, the doctor's surgery. Yeah. And he does a few different things in like a really short span of time. He like dodges bullets just like Neo. He then like leaps down, I think, from the doctor's surgery and lands on the floor and does like a superhero pose. And then he like straightens up his suit and is like, like brushes off like Bond. It felt to me like there was a real like, well, anything Neo can do, anything. I know this is early for superheroes, but 2005, we've had, you know, Sam Raimi, Spider-Man. We've had, what, the first Fantastic Four. We're starting to get them coming through, aren't we? Mm. Daredevil, that was one. Oh yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. We'd had the, de- the Ben Affleck Daredevil, yeah, yeah. Mm. So I don't know. It felt like there was a little bit of like one upmanship there, and I think maybe that's where 
well we've ended up now isn't it with all action movies that little bit of like over the top super kind of heroic stuff by normal guys is, is creeping in here compared to the first one where he is much sure. more of a a badass but he does kind of get hurt and he gets bashed around a bit whereas this mm. one he's seemingly indestructible as you said including a plane crashing into the sea and he's just like all right now i'm gonna swim <laughs> swim to the surface with this guy yeah it, <laughs> i still love it i still think it's great it's a looney tunes yeah. cartoon really isn't it yeah it's what it yeah, is yeah absolutely yeah, you've got you've got the over the top uh, crazy violence, maybe as well. Like like Stallone and and Statham, I think have kind of mostly said they're not into the superhero film or mm. the genres. But fucking like, I, I can't stand people that slag it off, and mm -hmm. then somebody offers them a bit of money. Stallone's really fucking bad for it. Mm. I like Stallone, don't get me wrong, but he's like, I hate superhero movies. They're stupid. Come and watch Expendables. It's better. It's great. It's got all these people in. Da 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 da. Then he does uh, Bullet to the Head, which is a comic book movie. <laughs> then he does Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy Volume Two, mm. which is a comic book movie and a superhero movie. I, I think there's a couple of more things he's done. I mean, as let's well. just not forget he was Judge Dredd. Yeah, he's Judge Dredd, obviously. Yeah, and 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 that went down so well. Mm. Um. And and there's a few other things. And right now, at this moment, oh, he has a new superhero film oh, coming right. out on yeah. Amazon called The Samaritan. And I'm like, mate, you've literally like, like I don't mind if you have an opinion and stuff, but when you just get when you just easily like just go mm -hmm. back on it, I just think, come on, like like Scorsese was like, Netflix is the worst model <laughs> ever. I'll never ever sign up to Netflix. Oh, nobody's buying The Irishman. Oh, fuck. <laughs> what am I going to do? And Netflix come in and go, Oh, you're right. You're right, Mayor Martin. Oh, no one buying your film. Do you want to come over to Netflix? Netflix is the greatest thing of all time. Yeah. You know, and, and he's, it's the same with all this. But it is. Again, it, it's just the, I mean, that, and that's probably why State hasn't done any of that sort of stuff. And that's fine. If that's, you know, mm. fair enough, fair play. Like, he's kind of stuck to his word, I think. I'm, I don't know if he said this, to be honest. but I think his is, his is practical over CGI, isn't it? I think it's his bugbear. I think it's practical yeah. and stunt work over green screen and, and CGI, I think, is his thing. Yeah. So that's probably why he's avoided it. Stallone was mm. King Shark, wasn't he, as well? In, um, Fucking hell, I knew squad. there was another one. I knew there was another one. <laughs> See, he's uh, he's he's doing it anyway. I'm not I'm not here to slag off Stallone, but no, no, um... no. I, I'm with you. Like, it... yeah, I, I mean, I love Stallone as well. I mean, Rocky is literally in my all time favorite movies and all time favorite franchises, as well as yeah. many other things. And we're going to be talking about him loads when we get to Expendables. But oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Hypocrite is definitely yeah comes to mind anyway. Anyway, um, yeah, let's let's get back to uh, to uh, the state, um. Do you want to go over the plot of what there is? <laughs> well, we've kind of done it, haven't we? So he, what yeah, I, I do like it because the film starts and he, he has like this one, one mini action scene, doesn't he? Where he fights off these carjackers and it's literally mm. like one kick takes them all down and then he drives off and we think, oh, he's off on his first transporter mission. And it turns out he's picking up a kid from school. I love, and, I love that. I love that bait and switch. Absolutely. It's clever, isn't it? But also a little bit of your, I remember the first time I watched it, a little bit of my heart kind of like, oh no. It's you know, they're doing the whole kid psychic thing. Um, but I think that they, you know, this is one of those occasions we, we talk about so often on podcasts, like one line of dialogue fixes things. And they do it here. They're that one line of dialogue. Oh yeah, I've just flown in for a mate for a month. Because he wouldn't normally he wouldn't do this job, but that that's fine. So that's now fixed. And then I think once we kick into that, as you said, the overarching plot, we've done it really, haven't we? Yeah. Like some sort of mob gang 
South American somewhere guy he's been hired, we don't know by who, wants mm-hmm. to yeah, get the virus to this senator who's overseeing anti drug D anti drug DEA stuff. I think yeah, some sort of he wants them all to get poisoned, doesn't he, at the conference. So if they're all dead, then this new initiative they're gonna put into place that's gonna stop drugs coming into America can't go ahead. Which Mm. it definitely could still go ahead. But that's the plot. Wouldn't he just get replaced by somebody else? You would have thought so, wouldn't they all just? And also like you mentioned about the virus, like we know the kid's safe and that's fine. I you know, we are we're all on board for that. He's actually a pretty yeah. decent little kid actor, to be fair. Yeah, I'll give him that. And then, as you said, but you want the mum to survive because she seems like a good mum and puts her kid before anything else. So we're on side with that. She fancies the state. I mean, fair enough. She's a, she's only human. But we don't care about the dad. But also, what about, what about all these other people? We see him turn up to the conference and he's now got this virus. He's talking to all these people. He's walking through the kitchen. He's at the, it's not like he goes from the bedroom to the conference room. Like there's no way they could. This is like a pandemic now, right? They can't control for 24 hours anyway. Yeah, they can't at least control for 24 this. hours. But is it 24 hours from first infection or 24 hours from when each people get infected? Hmm. Who knows? But it's it's going to go pretty big across this city. I would have thought. Yeah, like it would be like yeah they did they don't they, again it was like the the last film where they're like oh 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 yeah these people were in the truck okay. Mm. It's kind of a little bit like that. There's like, oh, there's some collateral damage, but we don't want to talk about that. That's too, <laughs> that's too, it's too tragic. We don't, I guess, I guess we're still kind of reeling at this point from, like, this was a, this was a difficult time, like straight after kind of nine eleven for action mm-hmm, films, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. obviously things like Die Hard you couldn't really do, and I think uh, Collateral Damage was a Schwarzenegger film that got delayed because mm-hmm. it had like Muslim terrorists. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff. So we're still kind of coming back from that a little bit. And we're still reeling from that cinema-wise, because it's obviously it's too it's too hard to talk about and to to witness and to discuss. And even now, you know, the the, the pain is still fresh for a lot of people mm. in that that day. Um so yeah, it must they must have um they must have been like maybe, oh yeah, we won't talk about those people. We'll focus, keep it kind of um, you know, let's keep it just kind of tunnel vision on these characters. Well, it's quite Spielberg in that way, isn't it? You know, like what his War of the Worlds, hmm. like what millions of people die in that movie, but because we're focused on Tom Cruise's family, we don't really think about all those people. So I suppose you know, I don't know. It's just quite, it's quite a funny thing that, and it's the same thing in both these films that you just mentioned. I'd forgotten about that from the first one. The third act is definitely the weakest because they kind of write themselves to a point and they're like, oh shit. What, what, mm. oh no we don't i tell you what don't worry about that we'll just focus on what frank does down around the corner that's definitely what happens in both movies yeah but a bit of a, a bit of hand waving mm. a little class classic hand wave but yeah it's it, it's oh, it, uh, yeah I, I think i think it's again they've 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 gone oh what about this and oh what about this mm. oh what about this and everyone's gone yes yes like it like it and then they go, mm. oh yeah, we've got to kind of acknowledge that a little bit, sort of. And again, they just literally, like I said in the in the previous podcast, with that with the the truck of of all the you know all the traffic people in, mm. they've they literally don't cut to them. We don't <laughs> see them. We don't. Yeah. They don't reference them. That that the only thing is they go, oh yeah, there's some people in those trucks. Mm. Oh shit. 
Um, and then we only see them at the end. And and I think there's a there was a touching bit in this as well. I think towards towards the end, I think there was there was something else. It wasn't the bit in the in the hospital bed, but it was there was something else. It was kind of, I think it might have been the bit where the mum runs in to mm-hmm. grab the boy, and and everyone was like, no. Oh, he's, they think it's like a bomb in the truck, don't they? Yeah. And the bomb robot malfunctions. That's right. And she runs to open the door. She's like, forget about this. I'm going to save him. Can't believe that fucking robot. Yeah, again, like weird plot point. Fucking it's yeah. really weird. Isn't it? Was that a thing that was going on at the time as well? That bomb robots were malfunctioning. I don't know, but yeah, and it's almost like, and it was that one thing where no one goes to grab. Everyone seems to go to grab mm. that. The you know Matthew Modine and Keith David, but all everybody else is like they grab them. It's yeah, actually, like... one police, yeah, police officer, one finger of Matthew Modine. No, you will not go. That's enough to hold him back. Yeah, definitely. And they're like, oh, she's not important. She's not with the DEA, so we can let her blow <laughs> up. And it's fine. It's fine. It's true. Yeah. On that fire, just one last thing. There is there because there is one shot, isn't there, of um Matthew Modine's character's like assistant. Like he collapses down to the ground. So they do acknowledge within the movie that this is going to have a wider effect on people. But I guess they just don't want to go down that, that road. Route, yeah. yeah, that route. Yeah, yeah. I guess you kind of see it a little bit because you see uh, in the little the virus lab, if you will, mm. you see people mm. on like life support and stuff. People they've infected, like homeless people or something. Um, so I guess there is there is that element of it, but I guess they don't want to focus on it because it's like that's not what fun action movies do. No. We don't focus on dark, depressing shit. We want to focus on melon fists and other stuff. Wow, you say melon fists? <laughs> Agree to disagree. Coconut husk fists is what I'm going to call it. <laughs> Coconut so, clobberer. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of a film of three parts, isn't it? Which I know is stupid to say because everything's a... But we get the state and the kid together, established that he's built a nice bond with his kid by playing a little game in the car. Like f- like, like a five-point... I mean, a five-point system to guess what the, the clue is. I mean, I don't know about... What, I mean, do you get five points? I, I got... I got the um, yeah. I did get it in the end. I did get it. But did you get um, it with, like with the first clue? The, the at what point of the clue? Just you... just prior to the kid getting it, I got it. So I guess I, I'm not as good. Uh, what about you? Did you get it? That's slightly worrying. I think Dan actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not Batman. I can't solve no. this. No. <laughs> I mean, probably for me, I think probably residual memory because I watched this so yeah, many times maybe. back in um, back when it first came out, back it's, on DVD. It's been it's been over ten years since I watched it, so oh. I, I was like, I was like, oh, this is a bit fresh. Uh, let me think because I always want to. F- it's it's kind of weird. There's things in movies where it happens, and I'm like, I wonder if I could do that. You know, like mm. in Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. where it's like, close your eyes, Marion. Um, I'm always like. I wonder if I could close my eyes. And then for some stupid reason, I start closing my eyes as I'm watching the film. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, let me see if I can close my eyes with this one. I'm like, Dan, you're watching a film. It's like, it's, or it's when Cyclops takes off his visor in mm-hmm. X-Men, they're like, don't open your eyes. And I'm like, if I could close my eyes for how long, it's the exact same thing. And I don't know why I do it, but every time I'm like, let me try. I think I can do that. I think um, we found a new level for you, mate. Can I close my eyes? I mean, I, I can answer for you. You definitely can. 
<laughs> the fact that you're, you're, but, you're questioning could yourself. I, in, the, in that moment, in that mm. tense scene, could I do it? I know I can do it, but but I want to test whether I can do it while watching a film, <laughs> missing half of it. I don't know why. It's just again, it, it's uh, that's my intelligence level. So uh, so you've got a good you've got mm. a good idea of where I am. <laughs> now I'm surprised you got those clues at all. If I'm honest, I, I'm shocked. Personally, <laughs> I'm shocked. Um, but I, I, when it when there is like a, a Riddler thing i'm always like oh can i figure out the riddle mm. and there's al- there's always the, the odd one i can do i'm like oh yeah i got it i'm really proud of myself but really it's not not that impressive at all <laughs> it's just impressive to me it's imp- i mean I- i'm impressed i'm impressed that you can get any of them at all because they're, they're most of the time they're not meant to be solvable are they that's the whole point of them yeah of course yeah they're uh, a bit a bit uh, a bit cryptic a lot of them and stuff but uh, yeah i'm not I did, sure I frank i'm not sure frank's it. is up to the level of the riddler if i'm honest but no, probably not. Um, I didn't. I didn't get the last one. I didn't get the kids' riddle. He's like the potato one. Oh, that's right. Yeah, no, I didn't get that either. I'll be honest. At that point, I was like, I don't care. No, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not bothered. Neither did Frank. It was just too easy for him. It's potato in it. But yeah. Oh. So that first third is establishing him. First third is establishing him. Mm. He's now in Miami, isn't he? He's doing this job for a little bit. He's bonding with the kid. The mum clearly likes him. She's been yeah. separated from. Matthew Medine for a year, I think. So let me get this line. Yeah, just to make sure it's okay that she's being a bit flirty. And then then we get kidnapping, don't we, for the second, third. Stath trying to track the kid down. And as you said, Mm. eventually they return him because they've got this whole other plan going on. And then third, third is trying to stop the virus, isn't it? So it's really much like a three kind of acts, three kind of little mini stories in one. What Mm. bit worked the best for you, do you reckon? Uh, the middle, the middle section, because mm. I think that's where most of the action scenes are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I felt a bit more like there was the ticking clock because the mm. kid is still in danger. Mm. During during the second act, the kid is still in danger, like of being killed or stabbed and whatever, and mm. and injected obviously with this thing. So, uh, and and e- even if they don't explicitly tell you, it's kind of heavily implied that they're using a virus. They were there to inject him with something. What's going on? Um, but yeah, you get all the best parts of the film i think within that within that section you get the the jet ski mm-hmm, um you get the, the amazing little, moment yeah the, the you get the garage thing yeah a bit in the garage you get the the bomb on the car mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and all this and the and like that the when she gets in the car as well you've got that moment mm. where he's driving through the skyscraper and stuff um and yeah, just just all of that. I mean, uh, yeah, the, the doctors is kind of, I guess, just tail end of the first end act, of first act, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's the way. It's like right now we're on, now we're mm. going, and full steam ahead. Um, but yeah, I think the middle is is gangbusters, and you also get the melon fists um, mm. hashtag hashtag coco coconut clobra, um, <laughs> uh, and uh, and you get that boat falling on that guy. Oh yeah, amazing. <laughs> Um and yeah, some great stuff. You know what I did miss? Mm. You know, you know, you know, they've obviously changed what they want to do. That I think we've talked about it a little bit, um, you know, in messaging and just before we talked that, that I think there's a couple of films that have heavily influenced mm. this. I think Man on Fire, mm-hmm. um, just because it's got a child in it and the cinematography looks exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And and I think because they're in Miami. And you were saying Michael Bay, and I was like, "Oh God, yeah, it is mm. it is bad, bo- it is bad boys too. Mm-hmm. It is, it is that." And you know, shit just got real when the, <laughs> you know, when the, kid, when the kid gets kidnapped, and you know, it, and it goes off. And I think 
there's something they kind of lose because obviously the everything goes up a level. Mm-hmm. And I think you were saying something about kind of the intimacy and the the kind of um kind of more realist, slightly real, mm. more realistic approach. And and I spoke last time about we get that we get that nice reference to the grease fight where he grabbed the guy mm-hmm. grabs him and he's got a greasy arm and it slides off. And I was like, that's a nice little nod as well. And there's some nice little like Easter eggs if you're paying attention, which I appreciated. And I think we lose something of that close quarters combat. Agreed. Yeah. Which I really, again, I fucking loved that in the first one. I thought the closest we get is is where he goes down into the garage. And I did quite like, you know, in in like these martial art films where they're like, uh, why don't why someone just shoot him? Why don't someone just shoot uh, him? Yeah, I and I love that. I love that. Again, like you said, a line of dialogue. Uh, you know, clues us in and explains it. And they go, they go, oh, I'm run out. Oh, I'm out too. I'm out of ammo. And they're like, where's all the ammo? Oh, it's in the garage. And he's just gone down the chute into the garage. Mm. So they all grab, they all grab like katanas and axes and everything. Uh, and that's the the closest bit. I think we get to that. Mm. Also, also another fucking great bit is the use of the fire hose. That is the best bit in the movie. I agree with you. The garage, I agree with you completely. I think the fights in this feel a bit more choreographed. Yeah, they feel a bit more stagey. Even the stage stuff. I think he's trying, but something is something's a little off. I don't know why. I think there's too much focus early on on guns and car stuff, which I like guns and car yeah. stuff. But you're right. The thing we celebrated about the first transporter was all the close quarters, all the claustrophobic spaces. Him taking on multiple assailants at once. None of that's really here until the garage, which is the first step in the right direction, which is decent. And then it changes location to whatever this like basement is. The firehouse scene is fucking genius. Yes. I, I love that. And I guess it's, it's kind of, again, it's kind of that Jackie Chan esque stuff using, you know, regular items. Um, and, and there's also, I don't know if it's maybe a diehard reference as well with the firehouse. Mm. I don't know if there's that, um, but I just thought it was genius the way he moves it, the way he flicks it and twirls it, and he uses it in so many different and creative and unique ways. Mm. I could, I like right now, I want to watch just that. I just want to watch that microcosm of this film because it was just fucking fantastic. Mm. And, and I love that he turned when he because I was like, I was like, I remember him turning on the hose <laughs> again. It was kind of like I was recalling things as we go as we went on. And I was like, he's going to turn on the hose. It snaps neck, so it throws him around. And I was like, and, and even then, I think he does something else just before the end. I think he, he throws it at someone or turns it on. Or something. He, he's whipping it around, then he kicks it, doesn't it? And it hits a guy straight in the ball. Oh, that was it. That was it. <laughs> oh, just, just quality like that. Like Corey Young, give yourself a you know a pat on the back, definitely bow, whatever you want. Because that's that's the highlight of the film for me. Um, you know, I just I just thought that was incredible. That um, you know the jet ski chase is really fun. Mm-hmm. And again, I love I love that he lands on it. Um, you know, he, he calculates it, works it out, and then he just flips the girl right over over his head. There's two genius. So, yeah, I mean, just we'll, we'll cycle back quickly and we'll come back. See, the hose pipe bit, I agree. Like it's amazing. It's it's cool because when he turns it on, it's almost like alien. Like because the, the hose mm. pipe fills up and then it drags them all around the room, doesn't it? And there's one particular shot of a guy like going like, oh my god, oh my god, and he's like being pulled backwards <laughs> into like some darkened corridor by the hose pipe it's so cool i love that shot it's definitely it reminded me um 
Oh yeah, it reminded me a little bit of um, you know where uh, Spider Man Two, where Doctor Octopus, mm. the, all the ar- mm. all the arms come alive and they're dragging him out and they're throwing him around. It was a bit a little bit like that. So um, yeah, I got I got vibes of that, which I, I fucking love that scene anyway. Definitely love that film. And Jackie um, Chan was a great reference as well because I don't know if you've seen Shanghai Noon and Shanghai Nights with Owen Wilson. A very long time ago, but yeah, but he does a lot of that kind of. I think he's got like a it's like a rope with. I don't know what it is, like something on the end. And he does a lot of those kind of like those kind of moves and flicks because particularly it's like being able to wind it around your body, isn't it? So it changes the length mm. of the rope. So I think probably that had influence. I don't know whether Kuro Yun was a choreographer on that. He might well have been. But Could be, yeah. Definitely that that was, as you were saying, like Jackie Chan-esque grabbing stuff. But particularly as I was watching that scene, I was like, oh yeah, I remember him doing that. I think it's in Shanghai Noon, the, West, the more Western one when he's doing that. But yeah, the jet ski is hilarious, isn't it? <laughs> Because yeah. Jason Fleming is is old mucker from Lockstock. I was going to say a reunion. Yeah, he's one of the he's like the chief doctor bad guy, isn't he? And he's managed to escape him somehow. I don't know, like for a little kind of foot chase, wasn't it? Not sure how Fleming yeah. gets away from Stath. Totally unbelievable. <laughs> but he's on the back of like a of a bus, isn't he? Mm. So as you said, like Stath jumps down to a jet ski. And he flips the woman over. Just that bit itself is hilarious. Like, like a little kind of suplex, isn't it? Like suplexes over yeah. his head. But so she lands on the back of the jet ski. And then he's off. And then the boyfriend's like, what are you doing, mate? And he's chasing after him. <laughs> and we get a cool chase, don't we, where the state sees the boyfriend coming behind him. So he's he cuts through the crest of a wave to make the boyfriend crash. Totally unnecessary, but I love it. <laughs> But it's it's one he jumps the jet ski, as you said, he works out the trajectory, doesn't he? Jumps onto the road, the jet ski like grinds along the gravel, and he jumps onto the back of the bus, doesn't he? But what yeah. I love, and I'm sure you felt the same, was the cut back to the woman on the jet ski. And she was like, Oh my god, he's so sexy. That was just that's <laughs> all her face and her body was saying was like, What a guy, he's so sexy. <laughs> and she just left on yeah. that jet ski in the middle of the road. Just uh, in awe of the state, and as as she should be, as she should, as be. she should, as we were in that moment. But that poor boyfriend doesn't stand the chance in hell now, does he? God, uh, uh, and Fleming's like stereotypical accent just made me laugh. He's like, "I'm a Russian doctor. Come on, <laughs> was, yeah. you gonna take a virus? You gonna get a virus, kid? Yes, I have a lollipop. I'll give you a shot." And I was just like, "Wow, he's really." He's really going to town on that, <laughs> um, like really stereotypically, but I, I kind of, I kind of enjoyed it because again, it's it's that ludicrousness of the of the film and mm. you know just that heightened reality. So I did, I didn't mind it. I quite enjoyed having him back and with the mm. state and stuff. And I thought, I thought it's the only issue I had with with his part in it was so we uh, state goes back to the doctors to check what mm. that the virus was that was going to be injected and then it gets broken by some cops i think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh or dea agents whoever it is fbi and then he's like oh fuck can't use it can't work it out and then he takes some uh h2o vial uh syringe um but it doesn't look anything like the other syringe <laughs> like it looks nothing like it it's not even the same color it's not got this like yellow tinge to it it's not got the little bulbous bit um you know, it it just like I even even in a stressful moment like that, I don't think I would been would have been convinced. Like mm. I thought he was going to add some like food coloring or some like orange juice or something to it. Well, we know he likes to steal orangina. 
I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> he does like his Orangina. Mm. I mean, it did it did kind of look like a bottle of Orangina, the, the <laughs> syringe. It's got that big, again, that big bulbous bottom. Um, yeah, that was that was the only bit. I like the idea of it. I like the idea of him being injected in like, and he's like, no, there is two shots for us, mm. you know, and all that. He tricks and, him to, and fo- I, he's following him, following him back to where you said the before, lab, yeah. the lab where they're doing the experiments, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought I thought that that was good. It's just that I I didn't believe that that syringe looked anything like the previous syringe. Mm. Um, it was too it was a bit too sci-fi. I think that syringe. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was that was the only thing I didn't really buy with that. Mm. Um, Whilst we're speaking of but, accents, because mm. you know we're talking about Fleming's accent. Oh yeah. What about course, the yeah. States accent in this one? Where are we at in terms of his attempt at American for you in this film? I think he's turned it down. Mm. It's definitely turned up, but it's he's... still there a bit, isn't it? It is there. I mean, he's still the same character. He's still got the same history, but it's he's definitely. I think he's phasing it out <laughs> yeah, slowly. That's, that's surely, the perfect like... way to phrase it. I, I mean, I think that's maybe being polite. I feel like he just went halfway through. I can't give a fuck doing this anymore. <laughs> because, because we know they film out of sequence you know that's just what happens on a film set at times it's a bit stronger at times as you said it feels phased out at times it's just not there at all but it's depending on what scene in the movie it is all over the place Mm. yeah i I don't think i I paid attention that much in this one Mm, because obviously there's quite a lot going on but yeah it didn't it didn't bother me quite as much but Mm. i i do i do have the feeling that he's going "Mm, (laughs) just maybe not this anymore and soon it will be Um, gone forever Exactly, exactly, and we'll and and we'll we'll uh, we'll raise a toast to when it's gone. But it, it didn't bother me quite as much as the last film. I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was looking out for it to be fair because I want. Of course, you know, I yeah, thought, like, Fair enough. Because I, I I like your phrasing of phasing out because I, I you know I was aware this is that kind of stage where it feels like somebody said to him, "Just don't bother, just don't bother." Because <laughs> Rhea and I were talking on cellular on the last one about like he's still trying, but like why? Just write a line in about how it's okay that like, he's. He came over here to later in life or something. John Claude Van Damme gets always oh, gets a fucking line. Arnie, about, yeah. He's, <laughs> even even Arnie to to a lesser degree, but like uh, John Claude always gets something like, "I was French, but I was born to an American <laughs> woman." Or there was two Americans, and we lived in France for a while. Um, Double Impact is the best one for that because obviously they're twi- <laughs> twins that get separated. Sorry, people, spoilers for Double Impact. But one is raised in France, and one's raised in America. Yeah, they both have the same Belgian accent. <laughs> it's very strange. I just, I always remember uh, I always remember that line from Hard Target, and I always thought it was fucking ridiculous. And he's like, uh, he's like Chance Devereaux, what a name! And he's like, how did you get that name? He's like, my mama took one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's I was true. like, what? What does that even mean? What does that even mean? Um, but yeah, that's just quality kind of JCVD mm. stuff, I guess. Um, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's not something that that directly I thought about, or I just kind of I was like, right, full focus. What's going on? I was going to say mm. I can see, I can see where Louis Leterrier's kind of chase sequences from the Incredible mm. Hulk. Mm. kind of come from mm-hmm. you because I, I think again the chase sequences like we were saying are the best bit in the film and obviously yeah. he's gone he's gone let's do that but in the favelas of brazil let's go crazy there and just have bruce banner running and running and running until the the inevitable happens um but yes uh i i think it's i think that's great mm. um i also liked 
when they put the bomb on the car. Yeah, yeah. So, so obviously, last film, he he falls for it mm-hmm. and almost dies. This film, it's not fucking happening. No way. <laughs> and it's I wanted to call this um, uh, as we as we like to talk about Chekhov's gone gun, mm. Chekhov's crane. Yeah, as we yeah, see yeah, yeah, as he yeah, drives in, it's true. you see this big dangling crane, and I'm like, ah, I remember now. I remember. Mm. And and I will say another thing for this: the CGI doesn't Oof. hold up as well, uh, and they use a lot of it. Mm. I think there there is. I wouldn't say there's an over reliance on it, but they definitely go, "Ooh, look at this toy!" Mm. And there's a bit of that. There's three key moments: is there is the car, the flipping car, where he, as you said, he drives and because the car's put on the underneath, isn't it? So he uses a ramp yeah. and he spins the car and perfectly times it so the the crane takes the bomb off the bottom. That's really mm. bad CGI. There's the bit, is it slightly before? When um, Kate Norton's character, I can't remember what her name is. What's the what's the female villain's name? Oh, I, I couldn't tell you. No. Well, when when she's been in the car with him, with the boy, get after the doctor's office, when they've gone back to the house and they mm. he realises he's going to have to give him up to, 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 to the bad guys. When she's in the car, she, the, he does that big jump from like one multi-story car park to another. That's yeah. bad. And then the helicopter explosion is particularly awful. Oh, God, that was bad, yeah. And the plane sinking the... in the sea is so bad. I mean, it's like me watching my youngest play with a toy in the bath. It's awful. <laughs> yeah, those those are the key moments where I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Everything was so good. And that's like, it just, again, it reminds you that the first one didn't have... I think it had some CG with the fire and stuff, yeah, but yeah. M- mostly it was practical. And again, I'm going, oh, I kind of miss that first one. Agreed. I'll be I'll be interested to hear what, what Tony says about it, because he was, again, he was like, he said, I think he said on my Shakespeare podcast, which I think will be out by the time this is out, mm-hmm. he was saying that he loved the second one he found out by re-watching the first one. He was like, oh, no, it's the second one I really liked. Mm. So I'd, I'd be interested to see what he has to say um, when he re-watches this for the, for the podcast, as, I'm, as I know he will. Um, but, yeah, it just that was just, again, like it's just a brand new toy, isn't it? It's a new play set. It's a yeah. new location. Um, got new people, um, new storyline. But, yeah, it just I just like, I don't think it was necessarily necessary no i agree and it stands out because there is so much good practical stuff still in this like there's an awesome car chase where they're like practically flipping cars where they're crashing it's that same moment he's you know when he's trying to get away with the boy and with i've just looked up with lola in the car we've got to talk about her got to talk about her in a minute so there's that scene which is really Hmm. practically done i think they overtake another chase don't they there's a there's a police car already involved in a chase and they he overtakes it just to show how cool and fast he is. So there's that kind of practical. And as you said, the foot chase, which is the one after the he just he follows Fleming's doctor to the um testing like facility. There's that yeah. chase with him trying to get the vial. The stunt work yes. there of him like jumping over oh, God, yeah, and when over he's... vans and like, falling on the floor and rolling and like all that's practical and all that stunt work. And most of that it looks like to me is the safe. Mm. So just because we do still have some of that really good practical stunts, it makes that CGI stuff look even worse. I agree. Yeah, it's it just it stands out even more than mm. it normally mm. would mm. in in a in a you know because I'm I'm fairly forgiving of of CGI and stuff. Yeah, like, me too. I go, 
it's it's going to age. It's going to age, Paul. It's just the way technology works. You know, you know, eight bit video games don't look like they did. You know, when we were kids and stuff. So yeah, I kind of I kind of give it a free pass to a degree. Um, uh, and yeah, it, it just it's just a, a reminder that it's mid two thousands and it's mm. like ooh, you know, and. Yeah, just and again, it made me it made me miss those kind of scenes from the first one. That and like the ingenuity, obviously they had a lower budget, so they had to be more creative and more. You know, the I think the problem with it as well is it's trying to be those other films, and mm-hmm. I think it's coming across as a poorer version of those films because of that. And instead of being a direct sequel i know what you mean it feels like it's yeah. just a lost a little i'm not sure i'd agree that it's poorer i'm not sure okay. i'd say this is worse than man on fire or bad boys 2 but the other okay. film it reminded me of was mission impossible 2 as well in terms of the yeah infection of the forest and actually mission impossible 3 as well when he mm. I, I don't know how well you remember that one tom cruise has to break so. into the he has to do the fulcrum maneuver in the building and swing across and get in and get a virus. And he parachutes down. Yeah. That has like yeah, a yeah. scramble for the virus on the floor amongst cars as well. So it reminded me a bit of Mission Impossible as well. I'd say it's probably on a par, those movies, but I know what you mean. It, yeah. It's lost a bit of its independent identity in trying to match up to or, or ape yeah. or like recreate scenes and ideas from other films. I do agree with that. Like we like we were saying last time about that that wheelman influence that mm. whole you know mm. wheelman I I lost all of that in mm. this like I didn't I didn't get a sense that he was you know he didn't he doesn't have all these rules he doesn't do this he just like he's just like I love this kid I'm gonna help him there's there's we kind of I mean it's we don't get as much character stuff with him as well mm-hmm. um, and I think actually he was really good at that in the first Transporter. I think those are some really good, you know, minus the wobbly accent. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I think I think those scenes worked, the romance worked, and and I think the romance stuff in this actually kind of works as well. And and him kind of respecting the, the wife gets drunk and comes to see him, mm. and, and he turns her down, which I thought was that was I was like in any other action film. He would just fucking banger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he would. That's and that's and that's just and especially at that time of these films coming out, mm. you know, it would just be like, oh, he just has sex with her. It's like, oh, you know, it's you know, it's a different another just builds that connection between the kid and him and the mm-hmm. wife. But with this, I quite enjoyed that he was like, no, you're you're drunk. I respect you. You know, I think he has, still, I think he has a really good line, doesn't he? She says like, "Is it me?" And he's like, "No, it's me." Just like you know, like my, yeah. my my principles and my rules mean I won't take advantage of you. Like, but you're right. That's like a it's a character moment for him. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's the only kind of apart from the stuff with the kid and the, mm-hmm. and the quiz and the, and the riddles. Rather, um, after that, it's kind of just like right, we're off. It's we're pretty relentless, isn't it? Yeah, I it doesn't guess, really stop. I agree with you, and I, I'm just going to play devil's advocate a little bit. I sure. guess he's not being. The transporter in this movie is he he's kind of like on a busman's holiday i suppose <laughs> so he's not he's not transporting according to his usual three rules going on a <laughs> summer holiday because uh, obviously the film ends with him getting a phone call like oh i'm looking for a transporter and he's like okay yeah. i'm in so you know we're being set up that the rules are going to come back so i agree with you and i think the film sure. loses something for not having that element to his character but i guess because of the setup of this movie I see why that's been pulled back a little bit to yeah. its detriment. To its detriment, mm. but I think yeah. I can. I think I can explain why why 
that aspect of his character is not as prevalent here. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think I, I think I agree with you definitely. But I think that's I think that was such a big part of that mm. first mm-hmm, film, mm-hmm. just such a big part of his identity. You know, I think some people might be like, you know, might be like, well, what what's this? Is this actually a direct sequel? You know, is it? You know, obviously it is, but it doesn't like tonally. It doesn't necessarily feel the same. There's a lot of lot of differences. It doesn't mm. look the same. It looks like a totally different film. Um, It'd be interesting to talk about that when we come back to three. So obviously you'll mm. be coming back to finish off the trilogy, where that yeah. does cycle back round to that a little bit more. That right, I've only okay. ever seen three once, mm. which already tells you something perhaps about how I felt when I first watched it. Yeah, I'm. I'm interested but, to see if I still feel the same, but I think that does cycle back round to that. So it'll be interesting mm. to see whether we praise it or we criticize it. Yeah, in a couple of months like, time. Like, like, don't don't get me wrong. I know I have been quite critical of the film, but again, I think it is a really good quality action film. I think it's really fun, and it we has should like criticize the things we love. <laughs> yeah, there you go, there you go. But I, you know, I I love absolute total dog shit films as well um <laughs> yes, uh, as, as as my podcast uh, uh you know uh, shows and showcases um that i quite That's like why that we love kind it. of stuff um, but this this is a, a good quality you know a good quality action film if you're looking for something you know on a sunday evening you know mm. you're like oh, i've got work tomorrow you know what should i watch and i, I did watch on a sunday um and this is it and it's fun and and again like it was over before i even knew it like yeah. i think um i, I don't I, I think i may have like checked the time once on transporter and like okay yeah but this i was like oh my god it's like there's only like 20 minutes left shit mm. it's it's almost over and i i kind of I've, I've forgot a lot of stuff in it as well again it was like again returning to the other one um but I, 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 you know, I had a lot of fun with it. Mm. I had a real blast. Like I said, the sequences are good. You know, I think I think we've I've nitpicked all the things I can nitpick really. Yeah. About it, um, I can't think of anything else that I was like it's really detrimental. Other other than the Lola stuff, mm. like I was saying Let's earlier. Let's go there. That... Let's go to Lola. Okay. Okay. Uh, what do you, what do you think of Lola? I. Uh... That's that's it. That's the noise. That's it. Just <laughs> I just don't know because I think she owns the performance. I don't think she's a particularly good actress, but I think she no. owns the character she's playing. And I think the way that she's depicted it is a woman owning who she wants to be in this world of men. Mm. However, it does still have that leery Michael Bay. I feel sorry. I always, I know I'm not the only bit. All of us always use Michael Bay as our objectification figure, but he's put himself in in that position. It does have that leery objectification feel to it, the way the camera lingers on her. But I think the character is aware of that and is using that as part of her power. Hmm. I don't know. I'm a middle aged white man, as you are, not quite as middle aged as I am. You're you're a. I don't know. I don't well know on my way. Well on my way. Well on my way. You're a youthful, white man. <laughs> so I don't. I don't know. I think. I think it just about gets away with it. Personally, what about you? Mm. I, I think you. I think you're right. There is. She's got the character down mm. and understands the character, gets the motivation, and she she holds herself. Is I think is mm. the best way. She she carries herself 
in the right way. I I don't I believe that about it. She's got presence. I think mm-hmm, is the best mm-hmm. the best term for it. She has character presence. But yeah, I don't think she's she's definitely not the strongest actor in the film. But kind of I, I she is quite memorable for for obvious mm. reasons. Um, some of her lines, some of the stuff she does is probably some of the coolest in the film. She's on the the front cover or the poster. Um, and it, I I did I did remember I was like it's almost like a you know, a, a Japanese video game, the kind of way yeah. she's dressed almost. There's yeah. there's something there where it's like, I've got all these guns and all this stuff, but I'm barely wearing anything and no armor. Uh, it's what a James Bond girl would do if they weren't trying to be a bit more, you know, this is kind of an extreme Bond girl, isn't it? As you said, perhaps with that touch yeah. of, you know. It's kind of a, it's kind of a, like in a more extreme Xenia on a top, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Golden Eye, like she, I could imagine her kind of do it dressing like this if if she went to an absolute extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I think I don't know. I, it is kind of a mixed message because because again we've got that again that lovely scene where he's like, no, mm-hmm. I respect women, I respect women. Um, but then again, you could argue that she didn't choose her own costume. This is a writer's choice, a director's choice, producer's mm-hmm. choice. You know, if if she chose her own outfit, the 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 actress, then I think I would I would be on board. I, I don't know if she did. Mm-hmm, if she did, mm-hmm. fair play. I go, yeah, that's you know, ownership of your own body. You know, wear whatever the fuck you want. You know, no judgment. But I think maybe what they're trying to say, I think I think obviously now it would be done better and a bit more classy, and there'd be a bit more talk and discussion over it. I think they were just like we need a we need a really sexy girl, mm. and we we need to wear very little, and we need to be cool and sexy and because mm. she's a bit grungy as well, which I quite she enjoy. Is, she's yeah. like, like a, a grungy. She's like, like a, a, Avril Lavigne with a pixie cut. Yeah, mm. I quite like that aspect to her as well, and and I like that she's she goes after what she wants. She says. Mm. Exactly what she thinks. You know, she licks Stace because she thinks he's. he's I was going to talk about that bit because, again, like you were saying, these kind of mixed messages, and I think I I take it on board because, again, with the with Amber Valesa, the actress, the mother character, Mm. there's those mixed mixed messages with her too. Because when we're first introduced to her, she's leaning into the car to talk to the Stace, and it's all a bit Mm. breasty, like the angle of the the camera. And I know that's potential what he'd be seeing, and we could argue she's doing that on purpose because she's been flayed. But again. We we had that one moment in the first transport, and we said the camera lingered up her body yeah. when they just come out of like the water, didn't we? And then then we objectified the state afterwards, and we said, okay, that's all right. So it, again, it's these mixed messages because that scene when she licks the state is very much her, as you said, like objectifying him and like mm-hmm. wanting to be with him and using her sexuality against him. I think I read that he didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> that he was a little bit. <laughs> Taken, taken, <laughs> taken her back in that moment, which is great because that fits the scene and fits that character that he's been yeah. that re- made his to reaction feel uncomfortable. Is, his reaction is fantastic. If you can pause that, <laughs> and just like I don't know if you can do that on your uh, on your DVD. If you can grab that or find it online somewhere, I'll try. Um, yeah, that that reaction of his is 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 gold. It's just like total absolute disgust, and I loved it. And and I think I was expecting him just to be like. She's licked my face, and it's it's right. I'm, I'm a tough, I'm a tough guy. But he absolutely is like, what the yeah, fuck are yeah, you doing? He is, yeah, I, yeah. I, it was brilliant, a brilliant reaction, and and that's why it was so kind of memorable. Because um, you also have the earlier scene of Lola, don't you? When she's dancing around, she's got mm-hmm. headphones on, and she's dancing around in this skimpy outfit that she wears for almost the whole movie. It's like a C2 bra and panties and a yeah. an open 
doctor's jacket sort of thing, isn't it? Hmm. And she's doing that to distract all the men that are in the room, aren't they? Before her boyfriend, before the main. So again, like we are objectifying her, but within the movie, she knows she's doing that in order to be part of hmm. the, I don't know, uh, Maybe we're not the, two, yeah. the right to be. We're the right to be able to discuss this, but maybe we don't have a definitive answer. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, w- I wouldn't say for sure. And again, it's not. I don't think it is for us to say necessarily one no. way or another. Um, but but yeah, I think there is. I think I think there is. They're trying something. I think it was almost like like the first film where they're like, oh, he was going to be gay, and mm. and then they went, no, maybe not, or, or like, well, we want to we want to say this. But we can't sell the film on this. Mm-hmm. We have to also do the things we are the audience expects yes. at the time, maybe yeah. to make sure and ensure it's well received, it's well reviewed, it's you know gets the marketing it needs. So there is there is that, and I, I think that comes into a play with with a lot of films. A lot of films that I've covered as well is like the decisions they make are to get the most yeah. kind of popular reaction and you know if they're going to be more controversial they're going to go all the way with it to get that reaction mm. and the, you know any publicity is good publicity so yeah there is there is there is that too she's it. very but, memorable um, isn't she as a as a presence on screen oh absolutely yeah the actress and the yeah. character is very memorable until I, I don't really know who came up with this decision in the in the kind of final face-off between uh the state between frank and her I'm not sure who came up with that idea because it's really weird. And I still don't really understand the physics of what's going on. She's like swinging from bead to curtains, isn't she? <laughs> and then he kick, he kicks her, but it's off screen. So we don't even get to see it. And the next shot, she's against a, a vertical bed of nails, it appears. It's very odd. Yeah, it's like a, a sculpture or something. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, those Russian um, kind of dancers on the, the, it's like a silk rope uh, and they... Yeah, or um, Cirque du Soleil type thing. Yeah, absolutely that. And they kind of, they tangle themselves up, they roll all the way up and they roll all the way down. And it's very much like that. And I think it's inspired by that, but it's it's on these kind of beads and I don't think mm. they would hold her weight. She, I mean, she's I mean, very slight. She doesn't slight, weigh anything, but yeah, I do. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah. She's very slight, so I, I don't think... But even then, I don't think she, those beads would it, hold away. It's more, I don't know what advantage she... She is this kind of tactical, dangerous villainess, this femme fatale. I don't know what she tactically was thinking she was going to... What advantage she was getting by being up there. Yeah, I don't I, I don't know. Um, I, again, I dodge you, and then I kick you, and then it's over. Yeah, I think they cut away for a reason. I don't think they want... I don't think they want Frank being shown beating up a woman. No, I sure. Think, Which I, I understand. Again, yeah, and I get that. I get that. Um, and it's it's not a good look for a you know for a character necessarily mm. to to do that unless their like life is in absolute danger, maybe. Which it is, um, I suppose, for him. She is there. To yeah, I guess. I guess. Um, but yeah, it's it's yeah. <laughs> It was very odd, yeah. I think that was kind of the most ridiculous thing. Like the, the mm. jet ski I buy, mm-hmm. but that was just like another level of like, what the fuckery. Mm. Um, and again, it was kind of underwhelming as well. Like massive expect, underwhelming. Yeah, like, again, like like the final battle in the plane. Mm. It's kind of a bit underwhelming. It's it's like, they got, like both films, it's like they got to the end and just like, oh shit, we've got to finish it or end it or yeah. we've got a co- co- and they're kind of like oh well we've already used all our best ideas mm. so we'll just kind of half arse it and limp to the end just get it finished get it done mm. you know it does we're, feel we're like running that. 
we're running out of budget. We're running out of time. We don't have the ability to be as creative as we have. We, we've blown it on the, all these cars and all these chases and all this other stuff. Mm. So now we're just going to have two people in a in a hangar and two people in a room and just leave it at that. And yeah, it's a real shit way for it to go out because they really do build her up. Like they even do. more so than the the lead villain. Yeah. Um, Gianni. Yeah. Gianni. Yeah. Gianni. Um, Gianni Cellini. It's a good name. That is a good name. I, I like want to see Chev Chelios go up against Gianni Cellini. <laughs> I want to I always cross keep over. Thinking, I always keep thinking he's called Chev Chelios in this, but, I don't and know, then I, yeah. but I, no, it's crank, isn't it? I, that's because that's that was like that was like. Why does he have that name? <laughs> it's, not even, yeah. it's not even close I, to. I'm being. guessing he's not actually called Frank Martin. It sounds like the most you know, the, the most like sorry any Franks or any Martins, any kind of like you know bland and boring. You expect that on purpose, right? What are two mm. usual? What are two normal first names? Let's put them together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird. It's weird. I'm, I, I, yeah, but yeah. I, I, again, it was the third, the third act that mm. I, I kind of the most problem with. Like setup's fine. The main, the main chase and you know stuff. But yeah, after that, after after, I think almost after they save the kid, everything just falls off. Yeah, because after that scene, he gets that he steals his Lamborghini, doesn't he? Drives after it. He gets on the plane by climbing up the landing gear. I'm not sure how that works, but you know, again, in this movie, we're not oh, going to that, worry that about bit that too was, much. Yeah, that bit was really crap as well. Like I just thought because I thought he was going to crash in. I think I, I think I remembered it from Bad Boys. Don't they crash into the landing gear? The the taking off, and I think they crash it. Or there's another film, Face where... Off. Is it Face Off? Yeah, face yeah, Off. They use might... the helicopter to damage the the. I don't know what it's called. No, the the no, bit on the wing. There's in definitely bad boys, an, they do something. He's trying to escape in a plane, but they use a rubbish truck to drive into the warehouse. Right. And then... I'm, I must be thinking of another action film because it's almost like a Lamborghini, mm. and they just go full on into the fucking uh, like the front wheel or the side wheel mm. of of the plane and take it out. Again, all those action aficionados that are listening. Please tell me what film that is. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, I'll, be, I'll be getting a tweet from from John. I bet when this yeah. comes out, John yeah. or maybe maybe Blake or yeah, you know, some some Max maybe. Oh, he Glenn, probably knows. Glenn will be the one. Glenn will be on it. Glenn will be like, I know Glenn, that film. Yeah. It's that. It's this. It's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be Glenn. Yeah, Glenn will be the be guy. <laughs> but yeah, someone will tell us. So please tell me because I I would like to see that film again, and I I probably I do know it, but I can't for the life of me think about it and that's what i thought was going to happen but it was kind of like and again i think that was a bit of bad cgi as well yeah well yeah because it, it was just because it was kind of just like, like a silhouette mm, isn't it mm, yeah drive 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 and it's like oh okay oh the landing gear won't come up oh okay yeah come, come, come land it in cuba wherever we're going and as we okay. said before the issue is that that, this was an opportunity for a really good claustrophobic fight scene between this guy we've established is a badass. We know he can fight really well. He took down six guys. I mean, six guys he's yeah. paying to take down. So I'm always a bit wary when we see a bad guy in a in a fight in the film to show how like tough they are. And you just think, well, you're kind of paying these guys, so maybe they're letting you win. Um, anyway, so we expect it, don't we? But because of the clever plot twist of him becoming the antidote, it takes mm. the jeopardy away. Hmm. because we know I'm just repeating myself but we know Frank's not going to die and we know that he can't kill this guy you know what would have been better again I Please. like the idea of of the uh, of the the virus 
him having the virus in him. What I think needed to happen was accidentally him being mortally wounded. Sure. And he's bleeding out and it's, and the, the antibodies are going everywhere. You know, the, the cure is going everywhere. And then again, we've got a running clock. We've got yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. For him to obviously get get the body back, obviously you know more than likely needs to be alive for that to mm. to get out, and obviously the more blood that's bleeding out of him, and he's maybe mm. he's in a lamp, you know, he's in a car and he's trying to he's like getting a bandage and wrapping it around him, and uh, and maybe the, maybe the guy is actually trying to kill himself. Mm. Like, that mm-hmm. would be interesting. Like yeah, yeah, like they they have to do a fight, and they have to fight, and he has to knock him out. But he Frank has to is knock- stopping him hurting himself. That would be really clever and creative. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that would be a really interesting fight scene. So instead of him, and Frank taking you know, the hits, maybe or the stabs. Or- yeah, 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 yeah. Or like he stabs like Frank, like he goes to stab himself. Frank puts his hand in the way. Mm. You know, blocks the knife. Something like that would have been really fascinating. Mm. And again, if you did it in that close-up style from the previous films, mm-hmm. I think that that would have been really cool. And again, you can you could mix that into the plane and have that because yeah. that, again. Really yeah. close quarters. And if know, they're assistant I, being a plane, you know, have him sucked out. I mean, we have the classic of like, never shoot a gun on a plane, people. Have you never watched an action movie before? It always ends badly. Somebody always shoots a window. But have him sucked out. So then Frank has to get a parachute and dive after him. Like, I know the, the, even that's a bit cliche and has been done before. Yeah. But at least it would add a bit of jeopardy to it. At least it'd have a little bit of point break. I mean, coolness. I mean, it'd be, a, it'd be a very different film if he was sucked off, wouldn't it? It would, but then according to Lettier, that's what he wanted Frank to. That's what he wanted Frank to be. Yeah, that's true. In, so, that's it. yeah, that's it. He could have sucked that 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 antivirus right, right mm. out of him. Just just held it in his mouth the entire film. <laughs> but it's also <laughs> the sort of scene that would be better ten years later. During like yeah. Tom Cruise is the Mummy, more than ten years, but is an awful film. Hmm. But the zero G scene in the plane as it's crashing is awesome because mm. it really was filmed in like kind of as zero G. Like, like whatever, whatever you call it, I don't yeah, know, a tank or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So, like, again, if you could have done this, they didn't have the technology to do that then. But if this had been done in like a real zero G environment, then that would have added something to it as well. So, yeah, yeah definitely. Unfortunately, it was just in that that time period where they they didn't have the budget to pull off what they needed to do, or mm. the te- technological advancements that we've got now in order to do it. Yeah, it it did make me think of when we did um when we did nineteen forty one because there's mm. that shot in the plane where they're in the plane the two people like the the creepy guy and uh, and the and the girl and trying to have sex and stuff mm. while flying, and then they have that shot where the the plane completely flips over and all the stunt people go everywhere and all this other stuff. So I was kind of like, oh yeah, that reminds me of that. Mm. Um, but I think they they did it better there. And again, it was only one shot for that. Uh, but yeah, it just. I think I think, yeah. It just there was there's such good stuff in it. Um, again, I was going to say it's like a like a, a really good sandwich, but the the first half of it is really good as well. Mm. It's like it's like you've got you've got great bread on top, and juiciest succulent filling, and then you've got a rotten loaf at the bottom. Yeah, it just peaks a bit too early, doesn't it? Unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, I just I think it probably I think they might have maybe rushed it a little bit in getting it maybe written and and they didn't consider a few of the kind of more plot holes or mm-hmm, what to mm-hmm. do or like you know and if 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 it's a big like I think we talked about this before like Michael Bay films kind of peak in the middle I always find like there's a big like the Transformers films I'm always watching and I'm like oh this is a really good finale and it's like over <laughs> halfway through yeah. and I'm like there's still not even minutes to go yeah oh there's there's gonna be so many more but yeah anyway uh, 
the the transporter. Um, obviously, you talk about the uh, the the Stathelution. Um, mm. I feel like I'm asking you all the questions in this. I'm taking over. This is my podcast now. Go for it. <laughs> so we talk about you talk about the Stathelution in every in every podcast. So where where do we feel he, he lands? Is he is he on an upwards trajectory, or are we? I think. Well, I mean, I'm looking at the list in front of me now. Mm. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I, I do think this is a high. I do think mm. for all the nitpicks we've made and, and the criticisms we've made, I think this is him knowing and owning who he wants to be within this genre of movie from this point mm. forward. Like, there's no doubt now. Like, he, He's probably starting to call some shots now, I would have thought, on this film. Mm. And when you look at the, like you said, we've got, Crank is kind of a separate thing. But when you look at some yeah. of the, the the action movies that are coming in over the next kind of dozen that we've you know, amongst them, you can definitely see where he's starting to own his image a bit more. So I think it's really important for that. Hmm. And we've not we've not actually criticized him at all. Not him. In no, this. no. No. Because uh, again, I think he's great. He does some amazing stuff. Again, they're trying stuff that's kind of maybe out of his comfort zone, maybe, which mm-hmm. is a good thing. You know, try stuff out. Um, again, some epic stuff, and he owns it. He has the charisma, the talent, the presence. He's got all of it, and he's absolutely. It's just unfortunately some of it's it's the writing, I think, mostly. Mm. Yes, uh, and, and the setting and stuff that's really let it down. Again, still very solid. As, mm. as action movies go, like I've seen a lot worse action movies than this. Um, but I, I think coming straight after watching the other one, mm. again, it's like when we, it's like when I do a Clone Wars, you know, I don't consider things until I directly compare them. Yeah. And, and sometimes when you do that, obviously you can, you can find stuff. And again, we expected this to be an improvement. And in some ways it is, in mm-hmm. some ways it's a massive improvement. And in other ways it's kind of let down. Yeah. But, but I do think you're right. I think we're gonna. This is still his baby. It's still his thing. He owns it. He goes right. What are we doing? What? How are we playing this time? What are mm-hmm. we gonna do? We've got a jet ski. We've got a boat. We've got axes and and katanas going off. You know, um, we've got excellent driving sequences as well. You know, when they're not in CGI, and yeah, absolutely fantastic. I think it's just again. Again, I don't think it's it's a major kind of evolution for him i don't think it's a huge no. kind of step but it's a solid entry i think in his in his filmography in his action filmography anyway specifically like action and martial art films and stuff yeah um i think if you take him out the film and put in somebody else it's a massively worse movie oh absolutely 100 i think he needs to be the anchor he needs to be frank martin he needs to be the transporter for this film to work because he's the I know we've we've started saying it a lot, but he's the only one really that's doing this kind of thing. Definitely high now, level but even quality, then, yeah, he big can. Budget. He he has the the looks to play that leading man. He has the charismatic screen presence to do a lot by not doing very much, which is a really difficult skill, I imagine. Hmm. He can deliver stupid lines, as you know what I mean, but but he can pull them off. He can do it. He creates chemistry with actors on screen, which perhaps other actors may may not be able to. I mean, of course, there's lots of good actors, but I mean, like when we were doing the season's greeting, sometimes we talk about how like there's certain characters, James Masters and Buffy, like nobody 
can be on screen with him and not have chemistry because he just brings so much chemistry to it. I think the state is similar. He he brings chemistry to his scenes. I think he, you mentioned it before, he has this little twinkle in his eye. Even when he's being stoic and he's not giving any emotions across, you can you can feel something in there with him. And he's, he's doing all of that whilst looking like he's doing very little. So I think, yeah, you take him out of this movie got so excited yeah. then I hit the mic that's what that noise was it's like whoa <laughs> you take him out of the movie all these things we've said are nitpicks that affect the movie but not too much suddenly blow up suddenly become much more problematic because the actor you're going to put in hmm. is not going to this this without the state mm-hmm. is a direct is a direct to video mm-hmm. guaranteed it would have been a direct to video uh, and again, I'm not I'm not slagging off any any of the action stars that do direct to video. You know, I like people like we talked about um, uh, like Michael Jai White. I'm a big fan mm-hmm, of. I mm-hmm. think he's really he's really solid as a as a martial arts action star. I think he's also very funny when he wants to be. Um, and we talked about uh, oh, what's his face Scott uh, Atkins. That's the bad. That's mm-hmm. the. I was going to say Scott Derrickson, but I was like, that's very wrong. Um, <laughs> that's 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 definitely not him. Um, but I think. If it was them, for mm-hmm. example, again, very good, great martial arts, charisma, but they don't have the presence the Stath has. No, not and for this type it, of film. Arguably, state the Stath carries this film. Mm-hmm. Like he he does carry it. Again, you've got some great actors, great people behind the behind the scenes as well, in front of the camera. But again, like you were saying, it's just a standard action movie with a bit of you know with ropey writing mm. um and I think ropey the, cgi yeah i think the transporter i think what it's all bound down to from now it's just come to come since you've been talking and we're coming towards the end of this discussion i think mm. the transporter is a film in which they cast the state i i know that he was you know it was almost the role was almost kind of written for him but in general it was yeah. like a it's like a film first and then the state is playing frank martin whereas this here is a vehicle for the state, they kind of hung a story around. Yeah. We want to see you do more cool stuff as Frank Martin. We want you to do some driving scenes, some fighting scenes, some improvising, Coriens coming back. What should we do with all of that? And I think that's where the difference is between the two. I, I also think we, we talked last time about that kind of Euro culture mm. and that European mm. filmmaking. And unfortunately, that's kind of gone as well. It has. Yeah. Um, because I think they're just trying to get more of an American audience on board. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, it's in Miami. They've got these American actors in. They are really selling the fuck out of it to America. They're mm-hmm. like, this is your next franchise. This is your next, this is your next um El Mariachi trilogy. Because mm-hmm. you know, you've got the lower budget, small one, then the next one's in America, it's in, in it's in the language. Um, it's in English, and then you get your you know once upon a time in Mexico. So there's there's that, and I think that's kind of what they were trying to do. Mm. Um, and I think again, I think because of that, I kind of lost a little bit of its identity as well. Mm. Yeah, great shout. Um, but again, still solid, still really good, still a great entry for the state. But I think just and again. He is a he is the star of the show, and this mm. is and and you're here for this. You like you're not coming to this film going, oh, Keith David was really good in that. No, Keith David is solid, mm-hmm. but his his role is forgettable. It's just I'm a cop, yeah, and he delivers as that. He delivers what he needs to do, mm-hmm. but it's not 
And again, Matthew Modine is quite underwritten as well, but he delivers what he needs to do. But mm-hmm. you, you're not here for those guys. You, you're here. You're here for the state. You, and you stay for the state. And he's in practically every scene, isn't he? There's very few scenes that he's not in. A couple of cutaways to villains. What are they doing? Maybe one or two cutaways to Matthew Modine. What's he's doing? Otherwise, it's all the state, isn't it? All the time. Exactly. And that's what you want. And that's what it does best. Yeah. When when he's when he's on screen, you're sold. Mm. You know, you you believe this absolutely fucking ludicrous situation, this overarching massive plot, uh, you know, all these, you know, the red herrings and all this other stuff going on, and the the ridiculous some of the ridiculous dialogue in this. <laughs> I, I remembered I remembered at the end as well. We were talking about act- actors i think i think i found one worse actor than than lola and again oh, yeah. she's not bad uh, there's a newscaster right at the end <laughs> when when he's driving and they're like the police are chasing and it's she's a tra- she's clearly french mm-hmm. playing an american and i i don't know if maybe it was um louis leterrier's you know mom or wife <laughs> or something i don't know but she was Fucking horrendous, uh, and it was just like, oh yes, there seems to be someone driving very fast here in Miami, and it's like, well, no. well it sounded like the room now. Yeah, it was. It was a little bit. It was a little <laughs> bit to, to that. Um, I noticed today at work actually, there's a guy, there's a, a guy called Miguel at my work. Uh, he's a, yeah, obviously a Spanish guy. And when he's speaking to customers and he, and they tell a joke, he has a laugh, and it sounds exactly like Tommy Wiseau's mm. laugh. Like ha, 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 ha. now you've noticed it's, that you cannot unhear I, it. I can't. I can't <laughs> unhear it. Like, he was like, ha, 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 so funny, great story, Mark. Would you like a car warranty? No, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. Now tell me about your sex life. <laughs> uh, that is not what he's called. So I like, uh, but uh, I, I don't know. It was just something I noticed today, really weirdly mm. at work. It's a long, it's a long, boring job I do selling car warranties. You have to find uh, the things I'm... that give you the little glimmer of hope during the day. <laughs> yeah, he's a great guy. I love him. He's he's really uh, he's a really cool guy. But yeah, I just noticed his his fake laugh. <laughs> it's really like Tommy Wiseau's. Um, yes, uh, but yeah, I know we've criticised it a lot, but mm-hmm. still a good solid stave. Yeah, well, I mean, talking of you know, so if we want to look at, you know, we've looked at the nitty gritties of it. When you mm. look at it within his filmography, so this has a budget of thirty-two million, so up from twenty point five for the first transporter, mm. but significantly bigger box office. So all those things we've spoken about, and whether they were doing things to make sure they appeal, it clearly worked because it made yeah. eighty-nine million or eighty-nine point one, which is up from forty-three. So they didn't quite double their budget, but they did more than double their box office takings so in terms of his position within the industry and whether he can be the leading man in hollywood Mm. this is an important step Mm. it definitely definitely helps with exposure doesn't it against his like again and again we don't really have apart from james bond there's not many english Mm. i know he's I know he's playing an American in this, mm. but really he's an he's an English, you know. <laughs> kind kind of. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I was born in England, but I moved to America when I was ten. Yeah, uh, um, 
and uh, you know, there, there's definitely something. Somebody's seen him. They're seeing more. People are seeing more of yeah. him and what to expect from him and the type of star he is. So I think this is a, like you were saying. He's a big step mm. in his career and his and his inevitable rise to superstardom. But I don't. Yeah. I don't think we're quite there yet. We're not. And he's not going to make this kind of money for a while. I will say, mm. looking at my list, mm. it's going to be a while till he's doing these kind of figures again which you know that doesn't mean the films are bad it just means perhaps as you said like this is an important step perhaps he's not quite found his groove from the audience yet Mm. well he might also like you know i i'm i'm one for variety when i was an actor i would i would try and take different roles things i'd never done before and and different types of of plays and roles and styles and genres so again it could be that it could just be like mm-hmm. I've, I've done this I've, i feel like i've mastered this let's try this out or let's go yeah, and do there's this. a little bit of that yeah some um, fantasy and, coming oh yeah yeah i think i said i'd do that one didn't i and i've got andy as well so that's going to be oh excellent time. oh yes what, what a what a threesome what a threesome <laughs> uh uh, but yeah, that sounds that sounds like an absolute. Uh, that's gonna that's gonna be an interesting one. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I think I think there's this is his kind of vehicle, quite literally. Yeah, literally and figuratively, uh-huh. the transporter is his vehicle, and he's he he's doing it again. The script's not great. The there's problems. There's issues. There's plot holes. But he's still bringing his mm. absolute A game. Mm-hmm. He's not wasting an opportunity, a moment, you know, anything. He's showing you his acting chops. He's showing his action chops, his driving chops, you know, whatever it may be. He is the reason you tune in again mm. to to this film. Mm-hmm. You don't, you know, again, like you said, it, anybody else probably wouldn't watch it. You probably no. wouldn't even bother. And and then for the nitpicks, I could put it. We, we could finish talking. I could go and put it on now. That would be twice in a week, and I could happily sit through it all again. And yeah, I know absolutely. that I think this is his favorite, certainly within the Transporter series. And I know mm. this is very high within his own personal filmography from his perspective. He rates this cool. very highly, so that tells you how he feels about the stepping stone or what it presented to yeah. him as uh, as a role within his career as well. Yeah. Definitely. It's definitely a, a kind of a touchstone, I think, from I think the first one and this, these are these are solid entries, you know, Snatch as well, like and and some of the other some of the other ones that have kind of popped through. I mean, obviously you've had the the more obscure ones and you've had collateral where obviously he wasn't in really <laughs> in that one. Um, even though I love the discussion. Um and Lockstock as well. I think those are all these kind of these are these are key appearances for a reason. Um, and even even in a small scene with Tom Cruise is pretty is a pretty big deal. Mm. Oh, massive! In a yeah, yeah. in a Michael Mann film, you know, yeah, that's still quite a big deal. Um, but yeah, we're definitely he's definitely still on his on his rise. But like you mm. said, there's there's some maybe some missteps and he's picked the wrong vehicles or back the wrong yeah. horse, maybe. Um, some rocky waters ahead, sadly. Okay, but lessons to be learned, I'm sure. Lessons definitely. to be learned. So before I get your final rating, which is going to be interesting because obviously third appearance, and I don't know if you can remember, but I'll I'll, I'll go back over what you've given before. Okay. And uh, we'll look at some what some other people have said. So cold from Letterbox, as always. I think this is KS. They say another movie of a bald guy shooting bullets while flying sideways, which they deem a criticism. I I see that as a compliment. One and a half stars they gave it. William Tallman, 
or it could be tall man, I'm not sure. They say, even more cartoony and ridiculous than its predecessor, Transporter 2 goes full-on implausible for the vast majority of its runtime, and it's pretty hilarious to behold. If you ever have to kill 90 minutes, this is a really good way to do it. I, I'd agree with that. I think that's a good assessment. Mm. Cole says, like man on fire, for people who enjoy movies where things actually happen. <laughs> Transporter <laughs> 2 is an essentially flawless masterpiece, a live-action Looney Tunes cartoon in which Statham is unleashed partway through Act 1, and spends the next hour punching, kicking, and driving his way through increasingly ludicrous set pieces and using increasingly ludicrous things to hurt anyone who dares stand in his path. This is the crank films if the crank films weren't winking at you the entire time. It's interesting you mentioned that. This is pure, brilliant, tremendous cinema. There you go. I, I would, I would uh, not say flawless, <laughs> <laughs> but I do agree with some, some things he said. Definitely, mm. uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely not flawless. I think it's trying to be flawless, but it it, it misses the bar for mm. me. Um, but it's still, again, very very solid. He does mention the jet ski scene, and he says, "Of course, as he leaves, the lady he abducted is completely in love with him because, I mean, who isn't in love with Jason Statham? The men want to be him." The women want to be with him. The women want to be him. And the men want to be with him too. <laughs> I quite like that. So true. Yeah, I agree. very, very, very much agree with that as well. <laughs> Josh Stewart says, better than the first in almost every way. This has no right to be any good. A plot directly creeped from Man on Fire and Mission Impossible 2. And even a theme directly lifted from Commando, which we didn't talk about and I didn't notice. But when I read this, I was like, shit, he's right. Yeah. What I might do is I'll do a cheeky little underlay as we're talking in the edit, and we can listen to, and people can guess whether it's Commando, whether it's Transporter 2. Uh, he says the action is smart, Statham is a machine, and the ass whooping is palpable. So much fun. The fire hose scene alone is worth everything. Which, you know, yes. we mentioned. Emma, short but sweet, my favourite genre of film. Jason Statham beating the shit out of everyone. <laughs> if I wasn't already with a, a beautiful, lovely Emma, I think this would be the other Emma for me. I think so. I think, uh, yeah. Well, maybe maybe I'll message her and just see. I'll just be like, I like your short and sweet review <laughs> of the filmography. So um, I'll just slide into already, the DMs. Is already taken by an Emma. Yeah, sorry. There's there's only so many Emmas to go around. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I absolutely spot on that one. I think I think some of the shorter reviews on a letterbox are quite succinct. I do. I agree. All right, last. I can't do podcast without him anymore. Lou Shoemaker. There's so many laughs to be had in Transporter Two, intentional and otherwise, that it could really qualify as an action comedy. The decision to cut the music from many of the fight scenes lend them a slapstick quality. Plus, the film has its share of out-and-out gags, like Statham blowing past an unrelated high-speed police chase like it was standing still, or his French sidekick cooking lunch for a bunch of Miami cops. Most of the action scenes measure up to the first film, so your enjoyment of the film really depends on how much you like laughing at the poorly conceived drama surrounding them. This is the first film in which Statham is teamed up with a cute untalented child actor harsh in an attempt to soften up his image he has zero chemistry with kids so it's always hilarious to watch him pretend to care about them while kicking ass 
Jason Statham has reached peak Statham here and will thankfully stay that way until at least present day. He doesn't get a lot of respect as an actor, but it really is a testament to his talent and choice in action choreographers that, even when surrounded by mediocrity, he churns out a half dozen rock-solid action scenes. Which, as you used the word just now, succinctly says everything we've just done in nearly two hours. Uh, yes, uh, there's a there is, there's a reason my podcast is called Prattle World because <laughs> I just go on and on and on and on and on and they go on for a long time and I usually just go over the same points over and over again. Um, I di- I agree with him for the most part. I think he I think the the kid actor is actually pretty good. So yeah, I, think I that's agree. A little harsh. Yeah. Like when you've seen as many bad kid actors as I have, when a good one turns up, you notice. Mm. What was evident from my research, though, was that there is a lot of love for this movie. Like that first one I read out was was obviously very critical. There sure. weren't many others, if I'm honest. And I trawl through for quite a, a way usually to try and get a nice broad scope. Mm. But most people were talking very highly of this. Mm. So yeah, I guess they're, I, I... they're on board. Once you're on board, you're on board, right? I think I think it probably is a little underrated. I think the franchise is a little underrated. Mm. I think this film probably is is uh, underrated as well as the first one. I'm not. I actually haven't seen the third one. I thought I had, mm, okay. but I actually haven't. So it'll be interesting watching that one. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm not not sure what quite to what to expect. I think I know sort of the plot thing. Um, that I'm sure you it. do. I think I know he that transports main. Yes, that that he definitely <laughs> does. I'm sure he does. Uh, but I mean, I mean, there's a there's a convention in it that I think I'm aware of that is in the which, which is in the thing. But I think that might add something to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I won't spoil it for people who haven't seen it. Even me, I, I'm not going to even spoil it for myself. <laughs> um, but I think I know. I think I've seen a little bit of it, but not the whole film. But um, but yeah, I, I I always meant to go and see. It. I think I was going to go see it at the cinema. But I never did for whatever reason. Uh, I think I asked someone and they said, I don't want to see that. And I went, oh, okay. Well, that's my <laughs> night, I, Ruben. Sh- I should have gone on I should have gone on my own. That's you should. what I should have done. Um but we yeah. all learn no. that that first time we go by ourselves there, we all learn that. Like, why have I not been doing this forever? Exactly. I pretty much see most of the films now on my own, I think. Uh, apart from the odd one, just because it's just like it's just it, it's less time to organize. I can just, you know, run out of work and go to the mm-hmm. local cinema quite easily. So I just go. You know, and obviously I want to avoid all the spoilers, so I'll go as soon as I possibly can, mm. and then uh, I'll be disappointed or I'll be pleasantly surprised or somewhere in the middle. So speaking of your strong opinion, let's get there. Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Are you pleasantly surprised or are you disappointed? Let's see. So this is your third appearance, second transporter. You're my mm-hmm. very first guest for Lockstock, mm-hmm. which you said in the state filmography was a classic. Mm-hmm. You were then back for the first transporter, which you said for the state filmography was... A classic. So, mm. is it third time lucky, or has he dropped in your estimation? So, remember, we're at classic, worth catching, or completest only. So, uh, if we're talking uh, the Stath, if we mm-hmm. focus again on the Stath, and we, we, it's his journey, it's his story, it's his Stath illusion. Um. I think this is a classic. Mm-hmm. I think I think in regards to himself and his growing talent, career, charisma, um, his stardom is definitely on the rise. I think um, I've got to consider it a classic. Again, we've 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 nitpicked all the other stuff, mm. but again, there's no criticism really, apart from the the wobbly accent. 
towards and we knew we knew that going in anyway we, did, and we yeah. knew that in the previous film and we knew that in some of his other ones as well upcoming and previous so we i kind of knew that going in and i'm like right it's not going to be very good uh but i think yeah i think even though i've criticized it it's not the stath's problem and again when the stath is good is in it and when it's good and when it's great, when you've got the chase sequences, the fire hose, mm-hmm. the ac- the axes and the katanas going off, the excellent driving, you know, the the middle section of this film is is impeccable. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I do I think the first is really first act is really solid as well, just mm-hmm. building the story, the characters, the relationships. Um, uh, it's just it's just kind of some of the the latter stuff mostly that lets it down for me. But I think if we're talking the state and we're talking some of his kind of again like i said touchstone in his career i have to agree with him i think it is one of his stronger films mm-hmm. and and again if you go in with an open mind and if you just go in knowing that it's ludicrous it's over the top it is a cartoon then you probably won't have such a bad time with it and you have to kind of forgive some of the stuff i mean you know we're all forgiving of our films you know uh, of your favorite films there's there's problems with every film mm. um and i think if you'll you'll forgive that and i think my that i think that was our main issue was that we we hyped it up for ourselves too Agreed. much I yeah think. i think that was our own that was our own fault that's our own problem and and uh, my friend dan keaton sometimes says when you do that you kind of get in your own way mm. um when you're expecting something and you go in and though it doesn't quite meet your expectations but were your expectations too high were you mm. you know and uh, i totally agree with him this i think we uh, we made a mistake in that but again we hadn't seen it for a while. We remember it no. being pretty good. For me, so. it was all about, I think it was experiential as well. Mm. It was out at a time when I was in my mid-20s. I was living in a house share. We were all like-minded, you know, Maricart, Gold and I, watching stupid action movies. And I think we probably just had a fucking great time watching this. So we watched it again and again and again and again and again. My sister yeah. will be reliving this in her head, hopefully, if she's listening, <laughs> she was part of that crew. So... I think for me, 20 years later, or not quite 20 years, but you know, 15 years later, I don't have that anymore. That's a different phase of my life. So I think perhaps that that that's affected it slightly. So I agree sure. with you. Like I definitely went into this wanting it to be the be all and end all, and I had a great time with it. And as I said, afterwards, I was a little bit deflated. But the more I've thought about it since watching it, it's started to creep back up because I think I've got that bit of distance from those high expectations sure. yeah absolutely and and again it's it's still a classic um again i think i've been a bit more critical on this one than the previous one i think i just kind of uh i kind of i i was i was too entertained by by the first one because i expected it to be less mm-hmm. so it, it's the exact opposite of this one i expected this one to be better but i expected the other one to be a bit worse mm. um so yeah it's it's, a, it's an interesting one but yeah definitely a classic for me um yeah, you have to you have to see it if you're a Stath fan. If you're looking for a good Stath film, this is it. Nice one. Well, thank you, mate. Thank you for coming on again. And that's three for three. This is a pretty good run for you so far. Yeah, I don't think the next the next <laughs> two maybe <laughs> won't won't probably get those uh, those three that that hat trick or the 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 same rating. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, but we will see. I might love them. You never know. You are You never know. So this is due out. You were alluding to like what what's come out with you. This is due mm-hmm. out on the twelfth of September. So I don't know if you can think that far ahead. It's a couple of weeks ahead. What I have believe, you got coming up? 
I believe Tony's. Uh, so we do. Me and Tony are doing our uh, Shakespeare, at uh, least Shakespeare film adaptation. Great. So I've just had um, the Goodfellas, our first. Me and Andy's mm. first last stop on the hype train, and we. Uh, I stole from your playbook and and uh, read out some letterbox reviews. Oh, nice. Um, well, I'm hype. Yeah. I haven't heard that yet, but I'm. I, you oh. know. I'm looking forward to the concept, and I can't wait to hear you two talking about that. Don't worry. So, so I, I don't. Do, I I, uh, I go for the because obviously it's quite a popular, well-regarded film, Goodfellas, mm. which we do. Um, I've gone for the absolute worst reviews, and <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, Andy's reactions yeah, to some like of you them. You might be prodding the bear there. Maybe just a touch. <laughs> just a touch. I, I I offended them a little bit. Just a little bit. Mm. Just offended him a little bit. Uh, to quote De Niro, um, yeah, but uh, it's it's exactly what you want uh, out of that kind of podcast. I think Amazing. it's a great new format. He loves it. He wants to do more. We're doing Schindler's List next. Whenever oh, wow. we do okay. do that, so that's that's been picked by Andy. Uh, mm. Well, that's not been picked by Andy. He picked three within mm. the podcast, and then I put them out into the the Twitterverse, and they've decided that Schindler's List. It was between Mulholland Drive and The Patriot as mm. well. Okay. On the podcast, I list some of the films I haven't seen, mm-hmm. and you might be shocked to to learn some of those as well. I think uh, some of the big ones, and sure. um, but I'll explain that. You'll 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 listen, you'll hear it. Um, but yeah, I think Tony's uh, podcast will either be out by now or uh, or just about to come out. Let me double right. check. Uh, two seconds. I release on a Monday, so if that helps. Monday. So let's have a look. So you'll be the Friday before, the Friday after, I guess. Yes. Yeah, so. Uh, so 2nd of September. So you said this one's 16th, was it? 12th, I think. 12th, yeah. So yeah. so 10 days prior, this will, uh, Tony's one will have come out. And nice. we'll be talking very loose ad- uh, Shakespeare adaptations. So it's nothing too faithful to Shakespeare, mm-hmm. really. Um, so they, some of them get very loose and, and we'll argue kind of why we consider mm. it a Shakespeare ad- adaptation. But uh, there's a lot of fun films in there. It's not all kind of doom and gloom and tragedies and stuff, but I think some real real quality films. You know, Tony doesn't like some of mine, and I don't like some of Tony's, but that's part of the discussion and Absolutely. part of the fun. And, and it was great talking as a as an actor, as an actor of, of several Shakespeare plays and studying it and uh, speaking to a teacher who, you know, is trying to uh, get people reading it, young people interested. And I think some of these films are the type of films you, that would be able to to entice mm. young people in. And, and that's what it's all about. And and we talk about how storytelling all kind of comes back to Shakespeare as well. So it's a, it's a quite a classy one for my channel, mm. I think. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think people will enjoy it when it comes out. So, uh, Best so not very long side now. by side with Demons and Demons 2, I think. <laughs> Those are the absolute zeniths <laughs> of, of the kind of stuff I do. But, uh, again, there's a lot of variety in my show, and that's that's what I want. That's what I like. Variety in guests, topics, discussions, you name it. But, yeah, that's what I'm all about. Um, but yes, and you can find me. I'm sure you're going to ask where people can find me. So uh, you can go on my website. So it's SpiderDan and thesecretballs.com. So we talk about cult movies and comic books mostly, but all sorts of stuff as well. A little bit of TV here and there. Um, but yeah, uh, all the kind of social media stuff's there. So SpiderDan and thesecretballs.com. You can find all the links. I won't go. I won't bore you. I think most people know. And you'll probably put them in the show notes anyway, I will. being the, the good man you are. Um, so yeah, Spider Man and the Secret Balls just links to everything. Got I've got all my collaborations, so this will be on the website as well. Uh, I've got all my links to all the different podcast catchers that it's on. Um, 
question and answers, you name it. It's all it's all on there. Um, so go check that out. Um, go check out some of my episodes with Jack as well, uh, and all the the episodes I've been on as well uh, of Jack's as well. They're amazing. Lovely. Uh, and there'll be one more coming. Speaking of sometimes TV at Christmas time, you and I. That's we'll right. Discussing That's our right. favorite Christmas episodes, won't we? Absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait for that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna do some deep, deep, deep research into that. Um, I'm not sure what I'll have. Um, again, I'll try and pick stuff I've not seen. Probably. Yeah, there's a broad range, isn't there? But I've you know I've been looking ahead. I feel fairly solid at my five already, yeah. which is a bit scary to be saying in okay. August. Okay. Okay. I, I think I've got one probably that I'll 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 definitely. I've not really thought about it too much. It's a little mm. bit a while a little while away, but um, I've got a lot of stuff on before then. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely considering. Are we doing like alternative? Are they alternative ones? Because it's alternativity stories. Are they just? Your, our favorite kind of Christmassy episodes, do you think? Or... Mm, great point. That might, we'll, we'll discuss off air because that might suddenly we'll alter it. my list completely. <laughs> I know, maybe, maybe. Yeah. We've, not, we've not discussed it in full, but but it's there. Um, but this is just admin. You don't want to hear about our admin. <laughs> go, go, go listen, like, subscribe to this and all the other good people at the Comics in Motion Network. Mm. Thanks, mate. And thank you, everyone, for listening and partaking in this journey with me through the Stace Filmography. Of course, that was transported too. And then next up in a fortnight is London with Tony Farina, <laughs> the glutton for punishment, followed by Revolver with Chris Phelps, another glutton for punishment. So for anyone that's watching along, enjoy this double bill that's coming up. Hopefully they should, <laughs> hopefully they should make some good <laughs> conversations because I'm not sure. It's not four hours of great watching, unfortunately. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I've been I'm Jack's Musings and that's J-A-C-S and you can find me on Twitter where I'm most active. You can also contact the show directly on Twitter under the name Back to the Filmog. Make sure you use the hashtag follow the filmography. This show has been presented to you by the Pop Grillers, a collection of hive minds who provide spoiler-free reviews of anything from pop culture in less time than it takes to listen to a song. I'm also a proud member of said Comics Emotion family, a super place full of the world's greatest people dedicated to bringing you podcasts on a variety of geeky topics. So, as Dan said, please make sure you take the time to search, subscribe, and rate our shows whenever and wherever you listen. Until next time, be excellent to each other, and make sure you take the time to treat yourself too. I'm Jack signing off. Yippee-ki-yay, movie lovers!